Welcome, 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 and welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. It's your boy Jalen, and actually, I have a sponsor for this episode. Shouts out to me, the Unpopular Podcast. Got a sponsor. This episode is sponsored by G Curse Clothing. Now, if you're like me, I like all types of clothing. I like shirts. I like hats. I like hoodies. I like sweaters. And I like premium stuff. Now, no, I don't really care about um, high fashion, but I do like my stuff premium because I like my stuff to last. Look no further than G Curse. G Curse has some of the, right now, they have some of the best hats. The hat that I'm wearing now has some of the best, best hats on the market, has some of the best shirts on the market, and it definitely, definitely, definitely is high quality. Go to G Curse right now to get your hats, to get your shirts, to get your sweaters, to get your hoodies, to get your beanies, anything that you need, go to G Curse. I will leave the description, or I will leave the link in the description below. Go get your hats, go get go get whatever you need clothing-wise from G Curse today. But with that being said, I want to thank you guys for coming. You know, last week was a was a busy week. Uh and let's just start with the biggest news. Let's 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 talk. Let's look at let's look at this Jamal Adams trade. Now, for people that don't know, Jamal Adams, who played for the New York Jets, was traded this week or last week to the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks, of course, gets Jamal Adams and the Jets get a 2021-2022 first round pick, a 2021 third round pick in safety Brandon McDonald, Donald, whatever, how you say his last name. But that's what the Jets got. And let's talk about value. I say this a lot, value perception. Let's talk about value. Who are the Seahawks right now? The Seahawks is Russell Wilson. <laughs> Russell Wilson, and that's that's about it. I mean, you have some pieces on the. I mean, on the you have some offensive weapons as far as running backs. You have DK Metcalf at wide receiver, but right now, the Seahawks were ranked, I believe, in the lower thirds in in offensive line, and I think last in defensive line. Now, this is this shouldn't be a surprise because the Seahawks are are used to being well since I guess Legion of Boom. The Seahawks are or Legion of Boom separated. The Seahawks are are is Russell Wilson and that's it. Now, insert Jamal Adams. Now, Jamal Adams is more than, is is one of the best safeties, if not the best safety in in football. Now, do I think Jamal Adams has value for the Seahawks? Of course I do. The Seahawks right now is one of the worst defenses in the league, well, defensive lines in the league. And if you look at a player like Honey Badger, how Honey Badger helped a struggling defense in the Kansas City Chiefs, and they ultimately, ultimately, they ultimately won it all last year. I see Jamal Adams doing it, having a similar impact to the Seattle Seahawks. Now, 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 do I think that Seattle's going to win the Super Bowl? No. Do I think that they'll be a good team? Yes, because I think Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterback, probably the second best quarterback in the league. So I think having Russell Wilson and, and, and having somebody of that caliber, I think you're automatically going to win uh, win a lot of games. Not to mention, now you're adding Jamal Adams. So I do see, and, and here's the thing. 
I, I understand. I understand some of the hesitation. Like, wow, you bring in a 20. I mean, you give up two first round picks, a third round pick and a starting safety. I understand that. I, I Trust me. I understand. And I understand the people that say, well, they just had Damian Clowney and look what's happening there, which I also understand. But let's let's look at the pros and cons about why Seattle should and should not have made this trade. We're just going to do one pro and one con. One pro is Jamal Adams is one of the best safeties in the NFL. And you always, I don't, I, I, th- I believe you can never be too talented or you can never have too many talented players. So when you bring on a Jamal Adams, I'm like, yes, let's, let's get it. This Jamal Adams is one of the best uh, players in the league as far as defense. One of the cons, of course, is you gave up, you gave up a lot of your future for the player. Now, this only, the future thing doesn't really matter if one, the Seattle Seahawks is in a high position, like if they continue to win and their draft pick, those 2021, 2022 first round picks are high. Like if they're in the 20s or 25s, like that, I don't really see an impact player like that from 20 up. Now, if they struggle, then it gets a little dicey, but I understand from Seattle's point why you would make this trade. Now, again, the con is you gave up a lot, but I understand why you make this trade. I mean, outside of uh, Russell Wilson, outside of maybe DK Metcalf, you don't really have much, especially on the defensive side. You don't really have much. And you bring in a big name like Jamal Adams. I think it's a splash. You know, it's like you want a splash player, so you bring in Jamal Adams. And well, well, I think... It's important to see how it turns out. I don't. I'm not going to say they're automatic losers, or I'm not going to say that they they um, gave up too much just yet. Because, and I'm not saying this will happen because I don't think it will happen. Because you have people like uh, the 49ers, you have people like the Bucks. I, I don't think that the Seahawks are good enough to make it to the Super Bowl. But what if they make it to the Super Bowl with a Jamal Adams? Then, then even if it's just one Super Bowl, then and and they win it, then it, it 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 the the price that they paid for Jamal Adams was warranted because they got to a Super Bowl. Now, if they don't, I mean, it's not just gets, but if they struggle or if he doesn't perform or he's out in two years, then yes, then I'll say that they definitely gave too much. Now, let's look on the other side. Let's look on the. The, the Jets side. The Jets GM at this moment, he's a really good GM. The problem is he has to fan out and dig up years upon years upon years of bad management, bad trades, bad contracts, bad drafts. So it's like she's trying to gut out the, the old and bring in the new. Now, no, I don't believe Jamal Adams is part of that seeing as though how good Jamal Adams is. But we all know the 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 tension Jamal Adams had with Adam Gase, which is the head coach of the Jets. But this is now 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 this is really good for the Jets because you I'm not saying you completely set up your future, but you have a really good future ahead of you. Like think about it. You have 
three pretty much at this moment, three first round picks because you have your pick plus you have the first, I mean the two um, Seattle picks, you have a third round pick and you have a starting safety. The Jets have a have a reputation of making poor decisions, front office-wise. Outside of drafting Sam Darnold, they trade away good players. They they are they they I'm not gonna say trade away, but they are notorious for not playing players. Notorious. And I think that at least this organization is trying to turn a new leaf and trying to to not be terrible. And I think that this is a good start. You give up a player. Yes, you give up a, a top-tier player, but you give up a player that didn't want to be there. You gave up a player that, that, or you traded away a player that didn't like the head coach or didn't like the, the system or the way that the head coach was approaching the players. You gave up that, and you got a haul back. Now, I know it's only three draft picks and a starter. You have to think about how important and how coveted NFL draft picks are. Think about it. I I get out. Okay, so you look at the NBA draft, and the NBA draft, while you have cornerstone pieces, they're really few or far between. Like, look how long LeBron James has been reign, has been reigning supreme. Look how long Giannis. Look how young KD when he's healthy. Steph Curry. Like they, you don't really have gen, generational players come in the league year after year. Now, yeah, you had Zion and John Morant and everything, but again, those are rare players. NFL is different. You have a Chase Young. You have a Trevor Lawrence that will be coming into the league. You have a Sam Darnold. You have a Patrick Mahomes. You have a Deshaun Watson. You have a have a Lamar Jackson. You have a Russell Wilson. Like year after year, you have players that are coming from college to the NFL that can be cornerstones. Like look at Jadavion Clowney. Look at look at Miles Garrett. Look at look at players like Chris Jones. Like you have players that are important. The, the NFL draft to me is the most important draft in terms of a fran- in terms of impact to a team. I think the least probably is baseball, seeing as though a lot of their draft picks go to the uh, minor leagues. But the NFL draft is so important. So that's now that you're loading up on draft picks, what the Jets are doing and you had to give up a disgruntled player, I think that it's a home run for the Jets. Now, again, we have to wait and see, but I, I, I'm i not – there's always – when people talk about trades or people talk about somebody moving to one team to or moving from one team to another, someone always wants to say, oh, this team lost, this team won. This, you know, It's like who won, who lost. Now, there are some cases – there are definitely some cases where you can say, oh, no, that team got fleeced for whatever that from another team. Like, let me give me an example. At the time, we'll go back. Remember when the Nets did the trade with the Celtics and they pretty much gave the Nets gave the Celtics pretty much their entire future for what Kevin Garnett, um, Paul Pierce, uh, Lou, like Drew, um, Deron Williams, like they gave up pretty much their entire future for players that were expiring. No, I'm not saying expiring. Players that were on their last leg. Everybody named Mama could say, yeah, you guys got fleeced. 
Now, we see with good you know management change and and good dealings and stuff like that, the Nets have have been able to turn it around, but at the time, we saw that yeah, that was that was a horrible trade. This isn't one of those trades. Yeah, the Seahawks gave up a lot, but the Seahawks get a solid player. Now, do I think that Jamal Adams will change the culture of Seattle? No, I don't think so. Cuz Seattle has a lot of holes, a lot of holes. And it really to me only has three plugs, which is Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, and right now Jamal Adams. Now, again, those are important pieces. You have a superstar on the offense, superstar on the defense, and a solid coach. But when you have a a horrible offensive line, when you don't have a lot of run weapons, when you don't have a lot of uh, wide receivers that can give you separation, when you don't, when you have the worst offense or defensive line in the league, like it's is. <laughs> There's, there's a lot that Seattle needs to do. However, I do like the move for both teams if if it works out. Because again, what if Seattle can like, what if Seattle's good and those draft picks are in the twenties? Like, how much weight do they hold? Or, or what if Jamal Adams is is terrible? Then it's like ah, maybe I'm not gonna say terrible. What if Jamal Adams doesn't stay after? What if Jamal Adams doesn't stay after a year and a half or two years? Like that's that's with trades like these right now it looks like the the Celtics I mean not the Celtics looks like Jamal Adams and the Seahawks might have lost a trade but we need to see because again what if this what if somehow Jamal the Seahawks led by Russell Wilson and Jamal Adams win the Super Bowl then we're looking back in this trade like they're geniuses so you know and and I do want to shout out Jamal Adams see this is what happens when being persistent pays off. Like Jamal Adams has been saying time and time again, I want to get out of here. I want to get out of here. I want to get out of here. I'm not going to say time and time again. For the past all season, he's been saying, I want to get out of here. I want to get out of here. I want to get out of here. And with persistence, he got out of there. So, and, and shouts out, you know, this again, this feels like a splash from Seattle. Now, was it a good splash or a bad splash? We will have to see, but a splash all of its own. So, Again, Jamal Adams was traded to the Seahawks for or traded to the Seahawks from the Jets in exchange for a 2021 and 2022 first round pick, a 2021 third round pick, and safety Bradley Mc McDog. I don't know, but that that was the trade. So yeah, um, moving forward, so. We're still dealing with the coronavirus. Uh, there's that's no there's no ifs ands or buts about it. There are we'll, we'll talk about the NBA and WNBA bubble. The WNBA bubble started last week. The NBA bubble started maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago. We're going to talk about that. But s- different organizations or different sports sports leagues are dealing have to deal with the coronavirus differently. There are like the NBA and WNBA because it's a smaller league as terms of players and coaches and 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 assistants and stuff. You can have a bubble. You can bring all the WNBA teams. You can bring 22 NBA teams and put them in a bubble and have them play and control what's going on in the like who goes in who goes out what goes in what goes out you can control that because the nba is smaller in terms of in terms of you know 
amount of people in the league than uh, uh, an NFL, than an MLB. And I say that to say this. The MLB kicked off their season, what, last week? And the Marlins had to cancel their home opener due to the fact that I believe they had 14 players contract or test positive for the coronavirus. And I think the Yankees and the Red Sox had to cancel or postpone their game because a couple of their players had coronavirus as well. This is huge, seeing as though the the, the MLB is already on a shortened season. They're already on a 60-game season, so every game counts. That means that there's, these games are going to get pushed back to a date where these players usually could have had rest but now they're going to probably have to play two or three nights in a row due to this. And, of course, you're dealing with the coronavirus. You're dealing with something that the world doesn't have a grip on yet. And I, start, and I say this because don't be surprised if you see multiple games, not just from the Marlins and the or, or, uh, Orioles, not just from the Yankees in Boston. Don't be surprised if you see multiple games from the entire league of MLB get canceled due to coronavirus. Seeing as though there's a lot of players, there's a lot of movement, there's a lot of away games, there's a lot of traveling. Even even in a condensed 60-game season, there's a lot of traveling when it comes to MLB. So don't be surprised if you're seeing a lot of games get postponed due to coronavirus due to multiple upon multiple players contracting the virus now people then ask well Jalen what about the NFL now I have I can see this going one or two ways from the NFL I understand that the NFL doesn't have a lot of or doesn't have as much travel doesn't have as much travel as the MLB. You have less games. While you do have more players and more coaches and more assistants, you're doing less traveling. I think you only have what? No, I think you're only traveling eight times. And some of those times aren't traveling that far. So you're only traveling to eight away games. I feel like the NFL... Now, you can't control what happens on the field as far as players are still going to have to come in contact with each other. You still have bodily fluids getting transferred, which is sweat, sometimes spit as far as like people talking. Um, germs are getting pushed around. Like You can't control that. And yes, there will be players. There will be players, probably important players, that catch coronavirus. At that point, you're going to have to figure out how you can how you can address it without without postponing or stopping the whole season. Me, I would be hesitant if I was the GM or if I was the owner of a team and this and and this whole thing is not when I say whole thing, I mean and this virus is not controlled yet. I would I would be a little nervous about that. But do I think that the NFL will deal with the same thing that MLB is dealing with yes and no when I say yes and no yes there will be players that test positive for the coronavirus that's not that is in season too there will be players in season that that um will contract will test positive for the coronavirus that's just that's just 
that's going to happen. They're not in bubbles. They're 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 traveling back and forth. They're going to come in contact with probably somebody that has it or it's on something and they they're, they're going to have that. That's 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 just going to happen and they're probably going to affect a couple of people from the team. I understand that. Do I think that is going to happen? Let me say this. I think that it is a better chance of happening in the MLB even though that they're not as they're not a physical sport like bat football, but I do think that due to the amount of travel, it will affect the MLB more than it affects uh, the NFL. Now, again, I am has I am skeptical as to should you start the season or should you not start the season as far as terms of NFL if you don't have the proper medicine proper procedures in place but it looks like they're going as scheduled so i guess they have something that i don't know but what i'm saying is as we know the coronavirus is affecting the way that we live it's affecting sports every single sport it's affecting things outside of sport it's just affecting the way that we live and the way that we look at life itself so yes there are there are leagues that are a little more adapt to the coronavirus than others and and that and can adapt a little better to the coronavirus than others but again there I, don't be surprised if there's multiple teams and mul- multiple games getting postponed in the MLB due to the fact that there uh, multiple players have coronavirus seeing as though not only how much travel they have to do more than the NFL, but they're not in the bubble, just like the NFL is not in the bubble. So you can't really control where the, where your player goes or who your player comes in contact with. The NFL can't control where your player goes, who they come in contact with, which is why there will be players in the NFL that contract the coronavirus. Now, again, at that point, there has to be procedures in place with the quarantine and, and what you're going to do about it and back up this and the third but we'll have to see so again the marlins had to cancel their can or postpone their first game and don't be surprised if you see that more so and 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 moving forward with that the the like i said the nba bubble and the wnba bubble started the nba bubble started probably a week and a half ago and the WNBA bubble started last week. Now, the NBA and the WNBA have always, to me, have, not to say always, but for as long as I can remember, have been ahead of the curve when it comes to dealing with social issues, dealing with issues that's plugging the world, just dealing with a lot of things. I think that they're, they've been at the forefront a lot better than anybody else. And that's one because of, I guess how small the leagues are. And when I say small, I mean like as much people as small as it is. And the fact that these are player-driven leagues, not owner-driven leagues. So as we see the the WNBA um, bubble and the NBA bubble start, I I was skeptical at first. Of course, you're always skeptical when you see players uh, complaining about the food or complaining about the living situation. When you see the WNBA players, some of their dietary needs can't be met. Some of um, their top end players are are almost being forced to play. When we talked about Leighton Deladon last episode, 
it, 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 it was kind of cause for concern. I was like, hold on now. Like, let me see how this is going. But with the scrimmages starting with the NBA and the, and the season starting with the WNBA, there's a lot of things that I like about this bubble. One, I like the fact that there are play, like if you're if a player contracts the virus, they get quarantined off books like they can't they can't play. I think they get quarantined. The lowest is like 10 days. They get quarantined off bucks. Boom. We good. OK, then if, you know, you have women, the women, their dietary needs are getting met and they're living. I, I like to think they're living kind of comfortably, which you hear from a lot of players, both NBA and WNBA. It's, it's like a AAU feel. You know, it's like a how for people that played AAU, how you would travel almost every weekend to another state or another city and stay in the hotels and you would be on the fifth floor and another team would be on the fourth floor. Another team would be on the eighth floor. And of course, when you're walking around, you'll see different teams and you'll you'll, you know, converse with different teams to a point where players that are on opposite teams because you see them so much because you guys go to the same tournaments and play for the same AAU league you you grow a bond and I and that's what you hear a lot from the WNBA and the NBA you'll see a LeBron James just walking down the street like Kimba Walker said you'll see a LeBron James walking down the street and that and that's something that you wouldn't see you'll see a Candace Parker playing basketball with her daughter you'll see uh women bringing their kids uh, to the bubble so they can they don't have to be away from their kids for that long you see uh nba players uh doing cornhole or or pool you know it's it's like a it's like an a you feel and i like that i also like the fact that they're using not not just the players but the leagues are using their platforms for change now that's something that kyrie irvin and and Lou Williams and, and we'll talk about Lou in a second, but Lou Williams and Dwight Howard was concerned about like, this is a distraction. Like we need to focus on what's important. And I like that the NBA and the WNBA, now the WNBA does this all the time. Let me, let me say, say that the WNBA is, has been, has been front and center when it comes to social issues, when it either comes to women's rights, when it comes to police brutality, when it comes to uh, racial inequality, the WNBA has been ahead of the curve on a lot on most of the situations and i love that about the WNBA. and i uh, and and i'm giving them their credit and i like that the WNBA and the nba now are are you know when you see players give post and pre-game interviews they'll say all i'm gonna all i'm gonna say is we need justice for brianna taylor or you see brianna taylor's name on the back of uh, the WNBA players' jerseys. You'll see WNBA players walk out for the national anthem because they don't feel that the national anthem represents equality. So they'll walk out during the national anthem and then come back when it's over. You'll see players before every game say, we're dedicating this season to Breonna Taylor and justice for African-Americans. I love that. I love the fact that the WNBA and the NBA are embracing their players. And that's something that I think that's the only league that does that. They're embracing their players. They're embracing the social change. I love how, you know, you don't have to wonder what the, how the NBA feels because they have, and the WNBA has Black Lives Matter on their courts. You, again, like, like I said, players are saying, you know, all my answers are going to be 
We need justice for Breonna Taylor. LeBron James, the biggest name in sports, is speaking out. So I do love that. And I love the fact that they're not running away from this. They're like, and they're embracing it. They're not saying, oh, well, the owners don't feel this way, so we're just going to mute the players. No, they're, they're not doing that. They understand how big of a platform these players have, either on social media or their own circuits. So it's, they, I love that the fact that they're pretty much front and center with social change, both the NBA and the WNBA. I also like the fact how they're handling this no, this no, um, no fans in the, in the stands thing. That was that was a little skeptical because I'm like, okay, how are they going to adjust to that? I love the the look of the court, both at MI, uh, IMG where the women are staying and uh, Disney where the men are staying. I love the look of the court. I love the sleek, sleekness of the court. I love the sophistication of the court. I love that you can see uh, there's not a lot of people there, of course. You have the team. You have the team doctors, team trainers. You have media on one side. And I think the, the announcers are announcing from home or something. I don't know how it's going. But I do like to feel the court. And I like that they're miking up players. That's one thing that I said they had to do was mic up players. So you hear the rawness of of a game like i play pickup all the time i used to play college basketball and i play pickup now and you would be surprised just the amount of talking the amount of trash talk the amount of of confidence you hear being spewed on a court daily or game after game and i know that's probably only amplified when you have the best athletes in the world both men and female playing at an playing the ultimate sport to me which are playing and in, in their ultimate sport which is basketball so i love how you can hear mellow man get the fuck out of here like you know mellow always does that i love how you hear lebron yelling out things i love how you hear and what like i love stuff like that and and this this it's been exciting it's been exciting now again like i said the scrimmage play has started for the men or the the scrimmage play is is going on, and I think it's coming to an end for the men and the women are in the in the season. Now, one thing that I I, I have noticed is fatigue, and of course that has that that is that's you would expect that when you when you stop the season for like f- six months, you expect fatigue. Both men and female, like like if you look at the Rockets. The Rockets is a is a running running gun running gun offense, and you can look at players like Westbrook or or James Harden. They get gassed at or they're gassed at the end of the season. I mean, at the end of the year. No, what am I saying? <laughs> they're gassed at the end of a game. Now, of course, that's more conditioning, and you know, once once they get their legs back together, or once they get their legs back under them and their stamina back up, they'll be fine. And I'm not saying that's going to affect the season. But you can you can tell the players are starting to get back in the rhythm. Hell, CJ McCollum got hung on the, on the dunk, and these are professional athletes. So, and it's, and it's even with the women. You know, women are missing point blank layups. Uh, some some shots that usually be cash would be a little short or be a little long because they're overextending. You know, some players are slower to get back. Again, these players, both men and women, are are adjusting are adjusting to playing again. And playing at a high level. So I understand, you know, I understand what's what's going on there. But what I wanted to do 
is I wanted to give the top 10 players in the bubble for both the NBA and the WNBA. I wanted to now these aren't the top 10 players in the NBA as far as when they're completely healthy. But when we're talking about the bubble and what they mean to the bubble as far as their team, to me, these are the top 10 in both in both situations. So I'm going to start with the WNBA. Let's start with number 10, which is Asia Wilson. With Liz Cambage uh, medically unable to play this year and Kelsey Plum and a lot of players from the from the Vegas from Vegas not able to play. This is very this season is important for Asia Wilson. Asia Wilson is one of the was one of the better young players in the league and the the ace depend on her along with a lot of uh, other players especially when you have superstars out the out due to injuries or due to other situations so number 10 is asia wilson why i do think that she has definitely room to grow her game her presence is important for the for vegas especially with a liz cambage out and a um Kelsey Plum and other players out. So number 10, I have Asia Wilson. Number nine, I have Dewana Bonner. Dewana Bonner, we saw the I think like last, yesterday or two days ago, how important she was the Connecticut Sun. How she was command commanding double teams. She she has a KD like body body type. While she's skinny, but and she but she's long, and she's able to put the ball on the ground and and go either left or right and finish both sides of the court or both sides of the basket. She's able to hit threes, hit mid range, get to where she wants to go. Duana Bonner is one of the best players in the league. Don't get me wrong, and she's important to the Connecticut Sun, especially if the Connecticut Sun, the Connecticut Sun is good enough to at least make a a, a decent playoff run. And they're only as good as Connect as Dewana Bonner takes them, especially with uh Jaquel Jonquil Jones. Yeah, Jonquil Jones not being there. So number nine, I have Dewana Bonner. Number eight, I have Brittany Griner. We know Brittany Griner is you know what to me, Brittany Griner has a Jadavion Clowney effect. Now when I say that, I mean there are games when Brittany Griner is dominant. There are games when Brittany Griner can look like the best player in the WNBA. You know, her size, her ability to finish at the rim, her 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 physicality. She's she's one of the best players in the league. However, there are also games where you forget she's even on the floor. Like, oh shoot, Brianna Stewart is I mean, um, Brittany Griner is on the floor. Like, she kind of fades in the background sometimes. Now, again, she is important for the for Phoenix if they want to make any playoff run because she's one of the best players in the league. But it's like, how is her motor feeling game by game? Because, again, if her motor is up and running, it's, any team has a tough time against Phoenix with her and Dan Tarazi, who we'll talk about in a second. But... If it's it's just how she how she how she plays it, again when she's on her game it's over with but if if she's uh you know just going through the motions you know that's that's why I kind of drop her down a little bit so that's why I have her at eight at seven I have Sylvia Fowles so Minnesota is not going to win a championship this year 
Minnesota is dealing with a lot of injuries, have a lot of young players. Of course, we know about the Maya Moore situation that's been going on for years. Well, it's not even a situation. We know what Maya Moore is doing. That's been ongoing for years. So the Minnesota links are not in position to win a championship however sylvia fowles is still one of the best players in the league she i believe next game when you're watching this it might be tonight or next game she will break the wnba record for most rebounds and in, in of in wnba history she's that dominant especially when you talk you know she's a WNBA champion, WNBA MVP, defensive player. Like, she has done it all. And even at, even since she has a veteran status, she still is one of the best players in the league. So that's why I have Sylvia Fowles at seven. At six, I have Candace Parker. Candace Parker is instant offense. And, and the fact that her, now, we did not expect the LA Sparks to go out how they went out last year. And I think that that is going to fuel not only the Sparks, but uh, Candace Parker, because Candace Parker didn't have the greatest ending to the season last year as or ending to the yeah season last year as terms of offensive play, as terms of defensive play. And I think that she's ready to event, not not just avenge what happened, but Candace Parker at her best is still one of the best players in the league, especially offensively. So. You know, with her being one of the leaders for the Sparks, I think that they have a high ceiling. It's just they have to play that way, and and I expect Candace Parker to. So that's why I have her at number six. Number five might be a, a surprise to some people, but that's Kia Nurse. Now, she did sprain her ankle the first game, so we have to see how long that's going to take and when she's going to get back, but... Going off of last year, she was she was hooping last year. When you when we talk about a certified bucket, that is Kia Nurse, and Kia Nurse is important to the Liberty. Now, no, the Liberty are not winning a championship at all, but she's important not only to just the Liberty but to the league. She's one of the best young players that the league has. She's one. She's a, she's a she's an instant bucket getter. And again, I hope that the the ankle sprain does not keep her out for long. And I hope that she's able to rejoin her team because the the WNBA needs a player like Kia Nurse because she's 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 one of the best players. So I have her at number five. Number four, I have Diana Taurasi. We know who Diana Taurasi is. Diana Taurasi is arguably one of, if not the best WNBA player to ever play in some people's eyes. She is... <laughs> When we talk about somebody that can give you a bucket in any facet of the game, that's her. When we talk about somebody with a drive, uh, with a championship drive, that's her. When we talk about somebody that can give you a defensive stop, that's her. Now, yes, yeah, she's still she's getting up there in age, but still. And that's why I have her at four and not a little higher. But still, Diana Taurasi, at her best, is still one of, if not the best players in WNBA. Now, her first, what, game or two, she struggled. But again, that I'm... I'm Addressing that to fatigue, as in people are still trying to get their legs under them. People are still trying to uh, adjust to what's going on with the league and adjust to everything. So I'm not going to hold it against her, but Diane Taurasi, at her best, is still one of the best players. So that's why I have her at number four. Number three, I have Natasha Howard from Seattle. Now, when we talk about someone that was hooping, I believe she finished second or third last year in MVP voting. Like, 
she's a she's a big body, but she is you know what she reminds me of? Natasha Natasha Howard kind of reminds me of a of a of a high of a DeMarcus Cousins. Demands, you know, demands presence, but still is offensively gifted that can that you don't have to you don't have to work around the basket. You can work around the basket and you're 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 incredibly good working around the basket and your strength is working around the basket. But you can still pop out and give give a a mid range shot or you can still hit an occasional three. Natasha Howard, like I said, she was one of the she was one of the finalists for MVP last year. And she's going to be important for Seattle because Seattle has the pieces to win it all. And she, in order for them to win it all, she, along with another player we'll talk about, has to be at their at their apex prompt at the at the best. And if they are, don't be surprised if they continue to or they win another championship. So that's why I have her at number three. Number two, I have Neneka Abumake. From Sparks, we know how good she is. We know she's one of the best players in the league. She, we know how important she is to the Sparks. We know how important she is to the WNBA. We un, we understand just how good she is. Like, like, come on, that's 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 one of the Abumakes. So, I don't have to say much. I think that kind of like Seattle, the Sparks have enough to at least make it to the championship. I don't know. If they're not deep enough to make it, like I when I when we talk about deep, I'll think maybe the Chicago Sky. That's a deep team, especially vet, a lot of veterans that come back. Um, the Seattle uh, Storm, they're they're veteran laden and they they have a lot of returning players that are important. I think that the Sparks are good enough to make it. It's just if they make it. Nabumake and uh or Neka Abumake and Candace Parker are gonna have to play at a MVP level. And I think they i as we've seen, they can do that. So that's why I have them at second. Now, before I go to number one, there were a couple players that, you know, didn't make the list, but are still great. I mean, you have a Sue Bird, you have I forgot Homegirl's name. But she was the rookie of the year last year. There's 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 multiple players that are incredible that are important to their team. There's multiple players that I'm excited to see, like the rookie from Atlanta, like uh, Sabrina Inescu. Like I didn't realize that the Liberty is playing with what eight eight rookies. So you know it's I'm excited to see that. But I'm excited to see because I think out of all the now, do I think that uh, Sabrina Inescu will win the uh, rookie of the year. I don't know. I th- I don't know if she'll win enough, but I do think that out of all the rookies that were drafted, she's the most NBA ready, which is why she was drafted number one. But going on attention, number one, uh, the best player to me in the bubble right now is Brianna Stewart. Now we forget how good Brianna. A lot of people, not we, but a lot of people forget how good Brianna Stewart was due to the fact of her injury may uh force her to miss this season last year but brianna stewart is one of the best even even this early in her career she's a WNBA champion she's a four-time uh ncaa champion she's a mvp like brianna stewart is still one of the best players in the WNBA and one of honestly the most decorated players in sports history if you really look at what she's done so i think that 
she's re- she's going to remind people just how good she is. Hell, we saw what uh, we saw like a game ago how good she was as terms of her leadership, as terms of offense, as terms of defense. Her along with Natasha Howard is is going to be a fearsome front court. So that's that's why I have uh, Brianna Stewart at number one, and that is to me my top ten women in the WNBA now or WNBA bubble bubble there are some players that weren't able to make it in the bubble either due to medical reasons or due to other reasons like you know Lena Deladon the reigning MVP is not able to make it Tina Charles wasn't able to make it Liz Cambage wasn't able to make it uh Natasha Cloud wasn't able to make it Kelsey Plum wasn't able to make it there's a lot of players that weren't able to make it that the list would be a, a lot different if they were but they're not so the that was that was my w oh that was the WNBA players who I thought were the are the best in top ten in the bubble. So let's move over to the NBA. Now the NBA has twenty two teams. Don't have all thirty because all thirty does not have a chance to <laughs> to make the make the playoffs. Now. The difference between the WNBA and the NBA is the WNBA is starting their season in the bubble. The NBA is continuing their season in the bubble. The NBA will, I believe, in in like maybe two or three weeks, they'll be playing in the playoffs. The WNBA will continue will be continuing their regular season. So that's why not every play, every team went to the NBA. So I'm going to give my top ten players in the NBA bubble right now. Now, before I do this, there are players, like I said, that weren't able to make it, like Steph Curry was not able or wasn't able to make it. Klay Thompson wasn't able to make it. KD wasn't able to make it. Kyrie, you know, players like that weren't able to make it. Uh, Bradley Beal. So these are my top 10 players that are in the the NBA bubble. With number 10, I have Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic does not play like a second year player. He plays like a vet. He played now a lot of this most of it was due to the fact that he's been playing basketball professionally overseas since he was what 16 I believe, but he just has a smooth offensive game, man. Luka Doncic will win Dallas a lot of games. Along with uh Porzingis, they will win Dallas a lot of games and he's just that good. Now the one knock on him is one defensively he's not the best, and two he kind of makes some some iffy decisions late late game situations. But Luka Doncic is still top to me top ten players in the bubble. Now you have like Devin Booker, but I think that at least right now he might be better than Devin Booker. I don't know. Now, now I'm really thinking about it. Now that I'm listening to myself talk about it, I don't know if Luca's. But let me say this: if we're talking about pure, oh well, Luca is pretty much pure offense. You know what? I'm gonna throw audible. <laughs> I'm gonna throw audible right now. Oh man! Then somebody has to go. Ah, is Luca? You know, let me ask y'all. Let me ask y'all. Is Luca? Mm, I don't want to ask y'all. Well, you know, I'll ask y'all. At this moment, at this point in there, no, no, mm-mm. none. I'm really sitting here thinking about it. Number ten, I'm gonna give Devin Booker. I, I'm gonna give it to Devin Booker. Number ten, 
Because Devin Booker, while his while the Suns to me have no shot of even making the 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 playoffs, Devin Booker is still one of the best players in the league as terms of offense. Now, I think that Luka is more crafty than Devin Booker. But if you need a bucket or you need someone to go get you a bucket, I'm doing Devin Booker. So I'm going to put Devin Booker at number 10. And Luka is going to be maybe 10B or, or 11. I, I'm going to have to throw an audible. So number 10, I have Devin Booker. Number 9, I have Russell Westbrook. We know how explosive Russell Westbrook is. We do know that Russell Westbrook did test positive for coronavirus before the season even started. You know, he quarantined, came back, and he looked he looked really good. Of course, like I said, the fatigue thing um, came into play for not just him, but for the Rockets in general. But we know at, at his best, we know how good Russell Westbrook is. We know he's one of the best players in the league. We know he's one of the most explosive players in the league. And that that doesn't change because he's in the bubble. So that's why, again, and, and the thing that, that's always knocked Westbrook is shot selection, uh, hit the, his ability to hit shots because we know how how poor of a three point shooter he is, and sometimes decision making, especially in 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 crutch time situations, because we've seen Westbrook make some incredible incredible decisions in the in the clutch. Then we've seen Westbrook make some what are you thinking and uh, decisions in the clutch. So that's why I have Westbrook at number nine. At number eight, I have Paul George. I think. Paul George, his his when I say game control, his the way that he's able to control the speed of his of his movements, the speed of you know how how he how he controls his offense, I think is makes him a top ten player. Now, of course, he you know he has every every player has flaws, but Paul George is. I think Paul George doesn't get the fair respect that he gets or that he deserves sometimes, seeing as though he plays alongside Kawhi Leonard and seeing as though he hasn't had much success in terms of playoffs. Now, yeah, he's made it to a couple Eastern Conference Finals when he was with Indiana, but we remember what happened when he went to uh, Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook. And I think that a lot of people knock him for that. But at his best, Paul George is one of, to me, a top 10 player in the league. And that's why I have him at number eight. And he's very important to the Clippers' chances. The Clippers, to me, have the best chance that they'll ever have right now in winning a championship. And I think that he is a very important. He's the second most important piece to that team in winning a championship. Number seven I have Luka Don. Ooh, I have uh, no, no, Jokic. Damn, uh, Jokic from Denver. Now, I mean, to me, he is the second best, mm, second best big man in the league. And it's not just the fact that you know his his offensive ability as terms of scoring, but his court vision, his his passing vision, his. His decision making, hell, I think that when we look at Denver and we look at how good Bold Bowl is playing, I think that a lot of that is because he's playing alongside a great player like Jokic. Now, yeah, I'm not saying it's only or Jokic is the only reason why Bold Bowl was playing incredible these first two or three games that we've seen, but Bold Bowl plays better when Jokic is on the floor with him. That's just a fact. You can look it up. And I think that that is a clear, 
sign of how important Jokic is, not only to Denver, but to to the league. Again, to me, he's the second best uh, center in the league. So that's why I have him at seven. And six, I have Damian Lillard. We know how good Damian Lillard was. Damian Lillard went on a tear uh, before the season stopped. I think he he had like uh, maybe a f- four or five game stretch of 40 plus. Damian Lillard has been hooping this year. Uh, he's, he's one of the cover athletes on NBA 2K. And Damian Lillard is going to be the reason either. I'm not going to say that because Damian Lillard is going to be the most important reason if Portland makes it to the playoffs and if they don't. I'm not going to say he's the, he's the only reason because you have a mellow. You have a CJ McCollum. You have different pieces around you. But if he's playing bad, it doesn't matter who's around you. If Damian Lillard is not playing top Damian Lillard, they have no shot. If he's playing the best he, he can play, they have a shot. And and that is because of how good Damian Lillard is. And that's why I put him in number six. Number five, I have James Harden. James Harden is is historically one of the best offensive players we've ever seen. As terms of getting a shot, creating a shot, craftiness. He's one of the best we've ever seen. And James Harden is incredible. It's like... Houston only goes as far as James Harden takes him. Yes, Houston has Russell Westbrook, but even with Russell Westbrook there, Houston is still James Harden team. If James Harden plays, look at all the games James Harden does not play good. Nine times out of ten, they lose those games. And James Harden is the fuel to the Houston Rockets. And... Rightfully see, I mean, before the season, he was averaging, I think he was averaging, what, 35, 36 points a game. He was leading the league in in points. So I think he's just going to continue that, especially when, I mean, he just dropped 30, what, 31 last scrimmage. So that's why I have James Harden number five. Number four, I have Anthony Davis. To me, I I think he's a power forward slash center. He's the best power forward in the league to me. And... That's, that's Anthony Davis. I think that Anthony Davis is going to be key, and I mean, I mean, ex- uh, extremely key to for for the Lakers to win, or if they win a championship or not. I mean, you have a lot of older players around them. I mean, you have Deion Waiters, you have J.R. Smith. Uh, it's going to be imperative that Anthony Davis plays at his top, uh, at the best he can, because if not. It's all going to be on LeBron James. And if that's the case, not saying LeBron James can't carry a team because we've seen it, but, you know, there's a reason why Anthony Davis was coveted as much as he was coveted because of how good he is and how good he could be and how important he is to a championship run for a team that has championship aspirations. So that's why I have Anthony Davis at number four. At number three, I have Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yan, Yan, you, the okay. So from three to one, you can they can all except for maybe one they can kind of juggle. Uh, Giannis is one of the most unstoppable players as terms of going uh east to you know going from basket to basket. We we he's in in the league right now. You know the the way that he's able to cover so much ground and how he's able his finishing ability is 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 incredible. Not to mention. More than likely, he will win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. 
I think that hasn't happened since what? Anthony, I mean, since Michael Jordan's done it. Now, I could be wrong, of course. Maybe Akeem Olajuwon might have done it. But, oh, wait, did Akeem Olajuwon? I don't know. But he's going to be one of a select few players to win defensive or win defensive player of the year and MVP in the same season. That's how good Giannis is. And the thing is, I feel the, the Bucks are a good team because they they have created or they have crafted the best team around Giannis. Now, if Giannis wasn't there, they they just be a I mean, Chris Middleton would be their best player. And while Chris Middleton is good, he's not a cornerstone player. They're only good because they created the best team around Giannis. And it's so hard to stop Giannis. And the fact that he's able to finish at the rim and create for other people, that just makes poor, uh that just makes Milwaukee that much better. And yeah, Giannis is just that incredible, man. So yeah, he has we see still has shooting deficiencies and stuff, but when you can cover when you can get from half court to the basket in three steps, two steps pretty much, like it's it's, you know, at that point you just got to tip your hat. So that's why I have Giannis Antetokounmpo at number 3. Number two, I have Kawhi Leonard. To me, Kawhi Leonard is the most important piece because he's, to me, the second best player right now in the league as far as people playing. Kawhi Leonard is the most important piece to the Clippers' aspirations of winning a championship. That's that's just plain and simple. His his defensive ability as, as well as offensive ability, he's arguably the best two-way player in the league. And... <laughs> A lot of people are saying there's some people that say he's the best player in the league in general, which I don't agree with. But, you know, Kawhi Leonard at his best, as we've seen, is is uh, argue easily top three. So that's why I have Kawhi number two. Number one, that's that's no question, bro. Number one is LeBron James. LeBron James year, whatever this is, he got gray hair. He's still the best player in the league. That's I mean, at least right now, I I was arguing um, KD, especially before his injury, and I still maybe think KD could be the best if he played this year, but he didn't. And and LeBron James has just been incredible. I mean, LeBron, LeBron I'm laughing because it's it's just it's 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 crazy to me how good LeBron James is, and he's this late in his career. I mean, hell, the man has. Blonde, I mean, the man has gray hairs in his beard. And I don't care how good Anthony Davis is playing. If LeBron James is not playing good, the the Lakers have no shot. If LeBron James is playing the way that LeBron James has been playing this entire year, do not be surprised if the Lakers win the championship. And, and a lot of people have the Lakers win the championship because of LeBron James's play. So, And a lot of people have LeBron James winning the championship. I mean, uh, winning the MVP just because of his play. So do not be surprised, man. And, uh, yeah, it's that's, that, is my to- that is my top 10 in the NBA and top 10 WNBA. So is there anything else I want to talk about? Um I mean, I guess we talk about it since everyone else is talking about it. Before we go, let's 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 discuss this Lou Williams situation. So Lou Williams, the uh, player for the Clippers, 
left the bubble because, of course, like I said, the NBA is in a bubble. Left the bubble to attend a funeral. Perfectly fine. He then, on the way back, I think he wanted to stop at Magic City, which, for people that don't know, is a popular strip club. Stop at Magic City to get some wings. From, I've never been to Magic City, but from what I heard, they have some historically great wings. <laughs> and now he has to quarantine for 10 days. I believe he misses the first two games that count because he's be quarant- he'll be quarantining. Quarant- quarantining. Here's the thing. I understand. I understand. The fact that I understand why people are upset as far as, you know, you're risking. I mean, this bubble, this bubble is so fragile, even though the NBA to me is doing really well. The WNBA is doing really well as terms of dealing with the bubble. It is so fragile as far as one player can. One player can be careless and can wreak havoc on the entire bubble as far as they can start they can start attacking everybody with the virus not attacking but they can if they're not careful they can infect multiple multiple people and multiple different teams in this bubble which then can fracture the bubble same as the WNBA one player can can affect not only other players and teams and coaches but there are family members in this bubble so they can uh, and kids in this bubble and they can affect that so i understand why people are upset with lou williams in terms of you have to be more careful because again this bubble is so fragile and not only can you affect yourself and your teammates but you can affect other teammates i mean no other players in different different teams which I get that. I also understand people are upset like, yo, this is the Clippers. You are, Lou Williams is, is one of the important pieces to the Clippers winning a championship. Not to mention Landry Shamit not being there due to medical reasons. He's important. And I get the fact that people will look at Lou, people will look at Lou and say, yo, you know, you're not dedicated this and third because, um, you know, you went to the strip club when you were supposed to. I, I understand that. But no, I here's the thing. And this is the only thing. I'll, this is the last thing I'll say about this. Lou Williams. Yes, I think it was irresponsible to put yourself and put multiple other people at risk. In the bubble. I get that. But I don't think it's a 20, 25 minute segment, bro. It's, he did. He 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 was wrong. He he admitted he was wrong. He well, he but he did leave the bubble for a funeral, and it's not like he was <laughs> he was having girls busting it down his face or he was throwing throwing hundreds. No, he was he was getting some chicken wings. So I kind of can see where he was. You know, like I didn't think it was that serious, but yeah, man, I understand. Luckily, it didn't. It didn't, it wasn't big. It wasn't, you know, catastrophic to the bubble or to him or to anybody. And, you know, that's that's how it is. So, yep, there you have it, guys. I appreciate you guys for listening. I appreciate you guys for being here. I appreciate G uh, Curse for sponsoring today's episode. Again, go get, if you want the best, uh, the most premium hats, the most premium shirts, 
beanies, sweaters, hood, like hoodies, go to them. Go to G Curse. I will leave their just leave their website in the description below. Again, thank you guys for sponsoring this episode. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank everyone for watching. If you're if you're on YouTube, please subscribe to wherever you are. Please share. Please tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. And I appreciate you guys again, man. Uh, until next time. Much love. Are you doing this work to facilitate growth or to become famous? Which is more important, getting or letting go? Shit. My niggas pick me up and we gon' light the city up as if the sun had the night shit And paint the town red for my nigga found that too soon Yeah, to the left of that decimal, I need seven figures to play the joint Turn up your decibels, P-Pi decimate a joint Check out my projects like them workers that section eight of points And you'll see how I flip like exclamation points my niggas shoot first as if they never played the point More two guards, enough straps to fill for you hogs More depth than World War II calls around these parts We put a brown just to drown these thoughts of black corpses in county morgues Lord, those images haunting, I ain't been asleep yet It's 10 in the morning, I'm sending a warning A problem with me is like the BET Hip Hop Awards I'm starting to see you niggas don't want it I'm sick of this flaunting from niggas I know for sure Ain't got more dough than cold trash rappers Ass backwards trying to go toe to toe, we laugh at Staff strapped up on top the totem pole to blast at you. Bassmasters, look how they total pole. Gotta know the ropes and a protocol. Or they gon' for show sure blow your clothes half off like a promo code. Made a little tune called folding clothes. And a nigga still ain't on the fold under pressure. Well, you know what cold do. Make a diamond, they just rhyming me. I'm quoting gold. One phone call gets you canceled like a homophobe. In this PC culture, dress me as the goat like they call Chief Keith Sosa. In my section, no, like a fucking three piece. Sofa, I'm known as the chosen one Under the dead body lay frozen That's how it goes sometimes When niggas wearing coke and not the pros and cons Well I ain't with that sleeping on the ground Like a gopher so I go for mine Everything come back around full circle Why do lies sound pleasant but the truth hurtful Everybody gotta cry once in a while But how long will it take for you smile This is that come back to life shit My niggas pick me up and we gon' light the city up As if the sun had the night shit And paint the town red for my nigga found dead too soon Now I know why they call it bloom Survival at all costs Everyday niggas get logged off Bodies get hauled off Passing the funeral procession while holding my breath in the car I thought the times to be feeling the devil be winning, but do that mean God lost? Just got off the phone, my nigga, he back in the kennel, my dog lost. I brought around close to me before, but he became addicted to clout and all the hoes we need. I slowly peep, jealousy on his breath whenever he spoke to me. Like on the low, he feeling that in my shoes is where he's supposed to be. I try to ignore the signs, but they're in the back of my mind. It felt like letting a nigga come sleep on your couch and he eating up all your groceries. My nigga repeated this quote to me. I felt this potency, said most of these niggas gonna hang themselves, just giving a rope and see. Shit, I heeded that and what got showed to me was screaming at some niggas you gotta leave them back unfortunately we seen the trap nigga be on that demon clack results to leave they fiend to clap as often as the genius that misquoting me uh 
Meanwhile, I see that your diamonds is glistening. I'm glad that you shine up and need. I remind you, my niggas is diamond and nickeling. Scraping on whatever coin they can find. The petty is trying to commit in it. Just to get by for a limited time. The steepest amount and they trying to climb. I'm here trying to find a derivative. You niggas don't feel me. You see the clout. You don't see the real me. If I was sick, you nigga wouldn't heal me. Therefore, I'm healing myself. Getting into it with my guys. Slowly revealing myself. Building my wealth. A nigga test mine. I'm a killer myself. Trust. Everything come back around full circle. Why do lies sound pleasant but the truth hurtful? Everybody gotta cry once in a while. But how long will it take for you smile? This is that come back to life shit. My niggas pick me up and we gon' light the city up as if the sun had the night shit. And paint the town red for my nigga found there too soon. Now I know why they call it bloom. Everybody mentioned suicide prevention, man, they even made a hotline to call up when there's tension, but I got a question, what about a fucking homicide? Need a number for my niggas to call, whenever there's a urge to get triggers involved. Need a number for my niggas to call, whenever there's a urge to get triggers involved.